0: name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome to everyone, especially if you're a guest or a visitor, a very special welcome to you. Uh, greetings to everyone at our Bel Air and Edgewood campuses. And uh, so I'm the guy who gets to follow Bob Goff up here. So, <laughs> So that's nice. Uh, but for real, wow, what an inspiring guy. It was so cool to have him with us. If you missed it last week, just go on YouTube or something and type in Bob Goff and his, he speaks all the time and tells these amazing stories. Uh, read the book, Love Does. If you've not done that, I really just think I, I just highly recommend it. It's a pretty easy read and just uh, like a really accessible, just full of these great stories that will inspire you to live out love. And if you've never done a small group, or if you're looking for a good study, the the Love Does Study. If you've never done one of these uh, DVD-based studies, they're not scary like you might think they are. Just get some friends, pop in the DVD, talk through it. I uh, just highly recommend that. And so we're going to keep doing this stuff. We're going to keep living out love, right? Because not. that wasn't just a series we did. This is a way of life for us. And so now, though, we begin a new series, and it's called It's Just a Phase. So for the next few weeks... We're going to be looking at all these different stages and phases of life, sort of under the theory that um, each of us is in one of them, right? Everybody's in a, in, a, in a phase. And so while we're there, we want to get everything we can out of it. We want to know what God has for us uh, in it. Don't want to miss out. And then also, because all of us, are, we can all learn from one another. We need to work together. A church, what a church is, is just a family. And so... We want to work together, as Paul says, as the body of Christ, where every part is different but equally important, and so we want to do that. We also, uh, we, we come together to look at the, the phases and stages of life, and um, I want you to, to focus every week and be here every week. doesn't matter if you've already been through that stage or if you're looking like, oh, that's way down the road for me, because listen, we, uh, what we do when we gather together is about way more than listening to a sermon. There's a lot of important things that we do when we come together for a worship service. Also, all of us need to know about all the different phases, like I was saying, to work together as the body of Christ. Also, there's people outside of these walls in your life who you need to, to understand better, right? You want to know them better and be able to connect with them and love them and care for them. And so everybody, tune in every week. If you're older, I want to challenge you to really log on during the weeks about the stages that you've already been through you know younger folks because listen there's some younger people in your life or who need to be invited into your life who you have some things to offer and to teach them and also you know they probably have some things that they can teach you as well and then if you're young I challenge you not to tune out when we're talking about something that seems you know far down the road for you because listen this is a a chance to take notes you're getting cheat codes okay for for later in life it might help you even now to understand your parents or uh, some other folks in your life. So, so pay attention, log on, be here. Everybody be here every week. And let's just uh, come and worship God together. We've got all kinds of uh, opportunities. It's going to be fun and worthwhile. We have nine services at three campuses. If you live anywhere near Bel Air and you're here today, I challenge you to start coming over there and worshiping with us. That's where I'm usually at on Sundays. And by the way, our, our coffee's better anyway. So, <laughs> Now, all that said... We're going to kick off the series uh, today with something that is, is sort of a phase and it's sort of not a phase. It is a phase in that there's this time before it when you, and then you enter into it, but it's not a phase in that once you are in it, you're in it forever for the rest of your life and there's different phases within it, okay? We're, you probably guess what we're talking about today because it's Mother's Day. We're talking about motherhood. Um, in this room, we have a wide variety of experiences relative to that topic. You know, and I'm so thankful for that that thoughtful pastoral prayer that we just heard. You know, but one of the few things that everybody in the world has in common, you know, at least until until they start cloning people and growing us in little pods like in the sci-fi movies, which I hope Jesus comes back before that happens. Okay, one thing that everybody has in common is that some woman carried you inside her body. She nourished you. She gave you life through her life. And then one day, you were born and you came out and you, and you started breathing air on your own and they cut that umbilical cord. So if you, if you have a belly button, you've got a mama, right? So on Mother's Day, a lot of times what, what happens is we come together and we just talk about how great moms are and we celebrate moms and we'll do some of that. But I just want to begin in a slightly different way because moms, truth be told, some, sometimes y'all do some stuff that is really annoying. Now, you know the term mothering, as in like an, in a negative way, we say, stop mothering me, as in rhymes with smothering, you know this? We're going to use that, that term in that way today, and we're going to contrast it with being a mother. We're going to say that's the, the good and positive phrase. And so, just before we get started with the cards and the flowers, I'm just going to ask you moms to please stop doing a few things, okay? Now, every time we cough or clear our throat, when you act like we're dying of pneumonia and you say, are you okay, you okay? Can you all stop doing that? that's mothering. That's not being a mother. Okay. Uh, moms of single people, when you introduce them to somebody else and you just go ahead and just give the whole dating profile bio and just do a little commercial right there. Can you stop doing that? That's mothering. That's not being a mother. Okay. This one goes out to my mom and many others. When I'm, when my team wins, Okay. And I'm excited about that. Could you wait just five minutes, wait five minutes before you start saying things like, gosh, I just feel so bad for the other team. You know, the guys that lost, like, (laughs) can we just enjoy it for five minutes before you start doing that? I love your heart, but that's mothering. Can you stop with the, uh, the backseat driving? Okay. Some of y'all just do this like out loud. Others of you, you don't say a word. You've mastered, like my mom, again, ha- mastered these little more subtle versions, you know? You just kind of like straighten up in your seat and kind of grab that handle with the death grip. Or you like, like, uh, my mom does this thing, she like makes this little noise, like, and she like checks, just checks her seatbelt. I was like, I see you doing that. My driving record speaks for itself. You need to calm down over there, smothering. Can y'all maybe stop um, crying all the time? Like, we can't, sometimes we don't know what's going on. Like, is she sad? Is she happy? Is she hungry? Is she tired? Is it just Wednesday? Like, she's crying again. Um, that's mothering. All right, here's one. Can we just please retire the phrase, I told you so? That is never, never helpful. It's never been helpful. Some of y'all don't even need to say the word, just do this thing with, like, your eyebrows in it. Stop doing that. All right, here's one more. And we, I love the video we saw about the translator. Um, we need you guys, moms, to, to fact check and to get your words right sometimes, get your terminology straight. I know sometimes we worry you, we scare you, we about give you a heart attack, we confuse you. Sometimes y'all do that to us too. Listen to this. My friend Todd wrote me this. He said, my mom and dad were babysitting my son when he was three or four years old. I called my mom from work to check on them. I asked what my son was up to. She said, oh, he's in the bathroom again with that Playboy. He has hardly set that thing down all day. Startled, I asked, where did he get a Playboy and why did you let him keep it? She said, I thought you gave it to him. He had it in his backpack when you dropped him off this morning. It took me a moment, but then I realized that he had his Game Boy in his backpack. I had to explain the difference To mom, between a Game Boy and a Playboy. (laughs) Todd survived this incident. Moms, we need you to get your language straight because sometimes you're entertaining, but you are confusing and scaring us. (laughs) All right, so so nobody wants to be mothered in that way, right? But everybody loves and everybody needs to be cared for in the ways that we celebrate this weekend. All the things. That moms do when they are at their best. Speaking of the best, I can't preach a Mother's Day sermon without telling y'all a little about my mom, Debbie. She is the best. The best mom. Now some of y'all this weekend, uh, today you're going to get a card or a mug or something and it's going to say on it, world's best mom. And when your kids give that to you, if you have any integrity, you're going to look at it, you're going to appreciate it, and you're going to slide it back across the table and say, I cannot accept this. Because, you see, my pastor said that his mom is actually the best. <laughs> and I know he wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. And so, I cannot accept your gift. There's a woman in Georgia we need to send this to. <laughs> my mom, it's, to me, she's the best. She's, she's just really wonderful. I was, I was trying to think about what to say about her today, and there's so much I could say. Uh, I'll just sum it up with the word kindness. My mom's she's just very kind. She genuinely loves everybody. If you've met her, she has hugged you, and you've probably been impacted just by her kindness of spirit. And uh, around here, sometimes you'll hear us paraphrase this quote by Frederick Buechner. He said something like, you know, kindness and holiness are not exactly the same thing, but they're awfully close. And that's my mom. Basically, she's, basically she's just a Christian. She's a Christian lady. She loves Jesus the most important thing about her. And if you know her for any amount of time, she'll she'll tell you about Jesus in one way or another. She'll pray for you. She'll pray with you. And you'll see that she really does just love everybody and treat them as such. She planted seeds of faith in me from day one. She's been a great mother uh, through every phase and stage of my life. You know, a little mothering sprinkled in there every now and then because nobody's perfect. She's the best. Mom, if you're watching, you're the best and I love you. But now, we need, we need a word for the rest of y'all today who don't have the world's best mom, so um, let's go to the Bible. That's what we do. So our scripture text for today is one, maybe you've never heard a sermon on this one, maybe you have. Um, Romans chapter 16. So Romans is this letter written by Paul to the church at Rome, and it's sort of like his masterpiece. It's this manifesto of faith. It's uh, Paul's gospel. It's full of all this really profound stuff. And yet he ends, as he ends many of his letters, with simple personal greetings. He's saying, the person who's delivering this letter to the church at Rome, would you greet these people who I know personally? And there's like 27 names that I counted. He says things like, greet Phoebe, a deacon of the church. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Greet my dear friend Epinatus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for y'all. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. And he goes on and on like that. And then toward the end, verse 13, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. That's a verse you could very easily just zoom past Kind of, oh yeah, another one of these personal greetings, you know. Let's get to Paul's final parting words there, but, but don't miss it. Today we're going to pause right there. Kind of dwell. What, you know, who was this lady? What was it that she did for Paul that would cause him to mention her in this way? Like, we don't really know. We don't know the specifics, but we, I think we know. Right, I, think, I think we know what she did. I bet it wasn't anything spectacular, I bet it was just good old-fashioned hospitality. I bet she let him stay in her home, gave him a place to rest maybe, fixed him some food, took interest in him and what he was doing, probably encouraged him. Rufus' mom. You know, we don't even get her name, but she's a hero of our faith. So I just got to thinking about all of the Rufus' moms in my life. And as I just for the next few minutes, I'm going to tell some stories about them, and I want you to let your heart and your mind wander to the place where you start thinking about who those people have been in your life, about some women who have been a mother to me too. First, I'm going to tell you about my grandmothers, uh, my granny and my grandma, also known as Bebo. That's just another story for another day. Uh, here's a photo of them also with my aunt Ruby my great-aunt Ruby she's also on this list Um, that's Elsa and that my oldest so this is about five six years ago and yes I did have hair once (laughs) I was blessed to grow up really close both geographically and emotionally to both of my grandmothers they helped raise me my grandma my mom's mom lived right across the street from us for uh, my early years and then for a couple years for a few years there I actually got off the bus at her house and spent time there until my my folks got home from work and you know what she did um and by uh, you know i just learned so much from her i watched her work and we worked together we cut a lot of grass together both of my grandmothers by the way to this day can still outwork most of y'all and she, you know she just talked to me she we were friends she taught me things she made me feel special she gave me treats she hired me to do my first little jobs like pick up walnuts for a penny a piece you know fill up a bucket and my granny, she did many of those same things. My dad's mom, she uh, many of those same things and taught me about hospitality. Her home has been a place of warmth and refuge for, just for hundreds of people. She taught me about faithful service to her church. Year, year after year, decade after decade, leadership changes. Leaders come, leaders go. Different people come and go. All the, all the phases and stages, Granny has been there at the little church down the road, steady and constant and just quietly loving and serving and encouraging. My grandmothers, I could talk about both of them all day and Aunt Ruby and Aunt Claire and Aunt Mary Jane and so on, but I'm just going to say this. They, they poured their lives into my life. And they're, they're a huge part of who I am and they have been mothers to me too. And I started thinking about some of the teachers I had. First grade, Miss Sandra Smith, who's the enduring quote in my mind, in my memory from her, is, I'll jerk a knot in you, boy. <laughs> and while I believe that she meant it, that she never actually did it, but what she did do was teach me a lot, and she set me on a great path to just do my best in everything I did. Fourth grade, Ms. I had a teacher named Miss Phoebe Hornbuckle, and she was the best teacher I ever had. She was the same exact age as my grandma, and yet she had more energy than a room full of fourth graders. And she taught me about doing your job with joy and passion, or rather about finding your joy and passion and making that your job. She helped me fall in love with learning. She made me feel so special and unique. These, these women and so many more in uh, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, Sunday school, they were mothers to me, too. Then there were my other moms throughout the, the school and the sports years. You know, the, the moms of my best friends. We say this is my brother from another mother. Well, these were the other mothers, okay? For years, I knew them as like Matt's mom and John's mom. And then I realized, I learned they had, they had names. <laughs> Sherry Butler, Allison Griffies, Ellen Thompson, Susan Potts. I came and went from their houses for years, all hours. Their homes became like second and third homes to me. I ate their food, I rode in their cars. They patched up my skin, knees, and encouraged me and counseled me and sometimes disciplined me. They were and always will be mothers to me too. Many of you know uh, that my parents are divorced. That, that happened when I was in high school. And uh, soon after that, I got assigned one of these stepmoms. Have you heard of these? (laughs) Mine's name is Charlene. And uh, guess what? I love her. For nearly 20 years now, she has been a mother to me. And I appreciate so much that she's never spoken an ill word about my mom. She has never tried to replace my mom or start some kind of competition. Instead, she just loved us and tried to play her role as best she could and I would never choose for anyone to go through a divorce but once what's done is done you move forward and I truly thank God for a lady who loves God and and just loves my dad so much she's modeled confession and repentance and forgiveness and really you know interestingly enough a lot like my mom she just loves God and she loves all people and Charlene has been one of those Rufus's moms in my life too Then, as if that weren't enough, God gave me a Mexican mom. My junior year of college, I spent a semester abroad in Mexico City and uh, studying and helping to start a new campus ministry, and we got placed with host families through a local church there. And uh, I got assigned to a family with the last name Del Angel, which means from the angel or of the angel, and they lived on a street called Rincon del Cielo, which means like the corner of heaven, no joke. And you know what? It was it was really appropriate because Juanita Delanco and her whole family uh, ministered to me and became family to me. Here's a photo I think of Juanita, and we actually call each other. I call them Mama and Papa, and they call me hijo. They call me their hijo gringo. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you a couple of Juanita stories. So, uh, first, not long after living with them, so I was doing my thing. I was on campus playing basketball, taking classes, doing what we were there to do, and making friends. And a bunch of my friends were like, Hey, we're going to go to this other town for the weekend. You should come with us. And I was like, Yeah, I'm in. I came home and informed Juanita of my plans. And she was like, I don't think so. So, <laughs> like, you're not going. I was like, Wait, what? Like, what do you mean? She said, Well, your ministry leaders and your parents asked us to treat you like our own kids while you're here this semester, and that's what I'm doing, said, I don't know these people. You, bar- you barely know these people. You know, what are they going to do in Cuernavaca all weekend? What, who's driving? Is there drinking? Is there drugs? She's like, I, based on what you're telling me, I just don't know enough to let you go. And I wouldn't let my kids go, so you're not going. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went back and told my friends I couldn't go. And, and you know, in hindsight, that was probably a really good decision. Uh, Here's another Juanita story. When I went to Mexico City, I knew very little Spanish and part of the instructions to the host families was to teach us Spanish, make us speak Spanish. So they did. As far as I could tell, Jorge and Juanita didn't uh, speak any English really. And so whenever their kids were around, my Mexican siblings, who I also love deeply, um, they knew some English. And if we started speaking English, Juanita would like crack down on us, right? And she would say, speak Spanish. So we, we struggled through, and we spoke almost exclusively Spanish. So after I'd been there for two months, my dad and my stepmom came to visit for a couple of days, and the first day, the next morning, we're going to go see the sights. It's Juanita, me, my dad and my stepmom in the car, and she just starts talking to them in perfect English. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like so mad and impressed and like all this stuff at the same time and just shocked. My dad, my dad was like, what do you mean? I was like, I had no idea she spoke English <laughs> for two months. My dad is just cracking up and Juanita is like just smiling. She's like, well, they told us to teach you Spanish. <laughs> and to this day, I, I mean, I don't know whether to be thankful or impressed. I mean, and it's really both. I'm, I'm actually very, very grateful for that. And then four years later, now I'm married to Aaron. Now we're moving to Mexico to live and start a ministry in another city. We flew to Mexico City on one of the most difficult and most exciting days of our life. And guess who received us? Juanita. And we spent a couple days with Jorge and Juanita. And then guess who drove us two hours away with all our belongings to find an apartment in one day? and start her life in this new place it was Juanita and then every few weeks when we would need to be with family but we couldn't fly back to the US we would what we could do is we hop on a bus and go see Jorge and Juanita and they would encourage us and remind us why we were doing what we were doing why it mattered and um they would put wind back in our sails And so, Juanita, you have been a mother to me, too, and I can't wait to catch back up this summer. And I said all that in English because I know you understood it. (laughs) And then, as if I didn't have enough mothers already, I got married and I got one of these uh, mothers-in-law. Have you all heard of these? (laughs) Mine's name is Lynn, and she is amazing. Uh, Admittedly. She never had a son, so she spoils me rotten. She comes up here and she buys us groceries, paints our walls, plants flowers. She basically makes our home and our lives better and stronger and more beautiful for being a part of them. And and I know lots of people complain about their mother-in-law, but you're not going to hear me do that because Lynn has been a mother to me too. And then... When God surprised us, we were, uh, he called us to leave a life and a ministry we loved in Mexico. And we, you know, we had always sort of assumed if that ever happened, we would go back to Georgia where all of our you know, people were. But God said, long story very short, God said, I want you to go to this place called Maryland. <laughs> and so here we came, right? And though we are a little closer, didn't have to cross a border, but we, we were still pretty far away from our moms and grandmas, so... Guess what happened? We got here, and we met Rufus's mom. Her name was Sue. And she said, sorry, said, you're the young adults pastor? You're ministering to my three daughters? All right, I'm going to minister to your daughters. I'm going to keep them for you. And Aaron, you go be with him and, and pour into these young adults. And she made me pie. <laughs> and we met another Rufus's mom. And her name was also Sue. And she, you know what she does? She invites our family to intrude on her family gatherings and celebrate holidays with them so we don't feel far away and alone on special days. And we met another Rufus's mom, and her name is Gail. And she encourages me when I preach and teach. And another Rufus's mom named Mary, and she lost a son a few years ago, And so she checks on me, and I check on her, and we pray for one another. And basically, mostly what we do is just we give each other a hug and a kiss on the cheek every Sunday since my mom's in Georgia and her son is in heaven. So many ladies who have been a mother to me, too. And so I wonder who is coming to your mind right now. I also can't go without mentioning, you know, as the circle of life sort of spirals upward. uh, The person who's actually tied with my mom as the world's greatest mom is my bride, Erin. It is so cool to watch her be a mother to our girls. And I think it's cool that uh, a couple days ago, our youngest daughter, Addie, who's in preschool, she had like this mommy and me uh, brunch thing. And we're usually able to flex our schedules and be at that kind of stuff, but Erin couldn't do it because she was off being a mother, or shall we say a very wise older sister, to our interns. On their closing retreat but you know what it was all good because Sarah stepped in and said I'll go with Addie and when they were there on either side of her there was Amanda and there was Holly and Addie was surrounded with three Rufus's moms at her brunch and she had a ball and it was a beautiful moment in her life greet Rufus and his mother who has been a mother to me too I think I know what Paul's talking about. And I think I know why it meant so much to him. So it makes me just think of two things today with regard to our response to this. The first one is just gratitude. We, we need to give thanks. Thank you, God, for our moms. Thank you, God, for these people who have been mothers to us. And, and we, think we need to thank them and let them know what they've meant to us. You know, some of us had great moms. Some of us lost our moms. Some of us never knew our moms. Some of us had lousy moms. But I'm thankful, I'm so thankful for this little verse tucked away at the end of Paul's letter to Romans, which reminds us we have all had some ladies who have been mothers to us too. So to them and to God for them, we, we give thanks today. We have to give thanks. It's so important. But we also can't stop there. The other thing we have to do is to do what they have shown us how to do. Thinking of the love and care that's been showered on me by my, Rufus' moms, I think of the words of Jesus after he told that, that good Samaritan parable. Remember what he said at the end? He said, now go and do likewise. You know, just as we don't want people to mother us to death and smother us, we need to remember not to Christian people to death. You know, when it's like the coughing, you know, thinking you got pneumonia every time you cough or clear your throat. If we overreact and freak out with every little thing people do and say that's not quite in line with what we understand to be the will of God, we, we, we need to chill out a little bit sometimes. We need to see the big picture, bear with people, be with people, build some trust, pick our spots a little better before we start diagnosing and prescribing. You know, we need to quit being on a spiritual level like that obnoxious matchmaker or that backseat driver who, you know, let's just be with people first. Let's appreciate them for who they are, where they're at in their journey, and then trust God to give us the wisdom with when and where and how to be guides for them. We need to forever retire the phrase, I told you so, because it's never helpful. we need to think about our words. When we use insider Christian language or words that just confuse or terrify people in the name of Jesus, that's probably not good. Whatever unthoughtful or overbearing things we might be doing that aren't connecting or might be pushing people away from God, we need to stop doing those things and instead of mothering them to death in the name of God, we need to instead do like what Rufus's mom did, be a mother to people in the name of God aka just be a christian christian means little christ it means this is what what it would look like for christ to be living my life in my context so maybe you've noticed here's a big takeaway maybe you've noticed all the best things about moms they're really just reflections and echoes of things that we know and love about god of the qualities of our loving god the best things they're not specific to moms they're not specific to females these are things we can all do you know god created us male and female on purpose but don't forget that our god though we often we you know we often use language conventions like mas- we use masculine pro- pronouns just like he we use father language cuz father language is good and it's scriptural and it's helpful but don't forget god is above and beyond sex or gender God describes God's self many times in Scripture using female and motherly images. Here's, for example, here's just three examples from the book of Isaiah. Chapter 42, verse 14. For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, and I pant. 49, Isaiah forty-nine, fifteen. But, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. But God answered, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget. I will not forget you. Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you all my people. And don't forget that though Jesus. You know in order to live and walk among us. He had to be in a human body. That means he had to have a gender. So God chose to, to let Jesus be a man. For whatever reason. And yet even Jesus used motherly imagery to describe himself sometimes. Here's Matthew 23:37. Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem and his heart is breaking. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. So guys, men, you are not off the hook for this, the implications of this Mother's Day message. Man or woman, young or old, you've got to take the great things that have been given to you, the things that we've received from our moms and, and seen in them. We've got to do them for others. Be like my mom. Just love everybody. If they give you half a chance, just tell them about Jesus. Be like my grandmothers and teach somebody what you know. Be, be their friend. Be their buddy. Let them watch you serve wholeheartedly and then, you know what, put your arm around them and say, come come on, let's serve together. Be like Miss Hornbuckle and do what you do with passion. And you know what, show every young person in your life, you, you make sure that they know that they are incredibly unique and special. Be like Juanita and open your home to somebody, maybe even a a foreigner. Take the long view and help somebody gain a skill that's going to bless them for the rest of their life. Be like Lynn and buy somebody some groceries. Paint a wall. Plant a flower. Leave every place better and more beautiful than it was before you were there. Do some of the things y'all wrote to me about. Uh, Be a mother to someone. Find a college kid and encourage them. Buy them lunch. Visit them. Text them. Uh, Every week, every month, whatever it takes. Find somebody who's going through a hard time and put something else aside and go sit with them in a hospital room. Just sit there and be with them. Write a little note on a napkin or a piece of paper and slip it in a purse or a backpack. Leave it on a desk. Consider adoption. Like really prayerfully consider it. Sponsor a child. Give a hug. Make some food. Throw a surprise party. Go to a ball game and cheer and scream like a crazy person. Make a gift with your own hands, and don't worry that it's not—it's oh, it's not going to be good because I'm making it. Be cut by the fact that you're making it; it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a treasure. Here's one: bring somebody to church. Anybody here have a mom who was maybe ever kind of persistent or insistent on you getting your rear end to worship on the weekend? Wouldn't take no for an answer. Listen, and maybe maybe now you're thankful for that, right? Don't be obnoxious, but good grief, bring people to church. If you have something good, do what your mom taught you to do and share it. Say the words that matter most. Say, I love you. Say, I'm proud of you. I'm I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Whatever the task before you, do it well and do it in a way that invites other people, younger people into it with you. I love what Carrie wrote. She said the greatest thing her mom did for her was she showed her how to die said, my mom faced down her death with no fear. Her faith, love, and humor, even in the darkest of times, has given me so much strength and peace. Even though I miss her more than I can describe, I feel privileged that I got to witness such an amazing display of faith. If that's the task before you, do it well and share it. If these kinds of things have been done for you, and if they meant something to you, go and do likewise. You, you can do these things. And if you are not currently doing these things, I want you to be let yourself be haunted by this question going forward. Why not? Keep thinking about that. And now, you know, as we, as we ponder that, we're going to move just right today right into our time of communion. So servers at all the campuses can take your places. And this is a time when we, as Christians have done for centuries, we just take the symbols of the bread and the cup and we remember Jesus. Jesus, who we believe was fully divine, the same God that created the heavens and the earth, somehow dwelling inside a human body for a time. Jesus, who we believe was also fully human, He was flesh and blood just like you and me. Jesus had a mama and a belly button too. Jesus, who lived a life of love even greater than that of the best moms in the world. Jesus, who sacrificed even more for us than our moms at their very best when he died on the cross to defeat sin. Jesus, who rose from the grave to defeat death. As we gather today, we celebrate and remember mothers and that's a good a good thing to do. As we gather today and every time we gather, we celebrate and remember Jesus the Christ. And that is a great that is the greatest, the central thing for us to do. So if you're a follower of Jesus, take the bread and the cup in remembrance of him. And all of us are invited to just reflect now on love and on who Jesus is and what he means. And you'll see some words on the screen from his mom. Reflect on these words. It just says, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's pray. Holy and mighty and loving God, thank you you've done great things for us you have given us life you've given us this day you have given us mothers you have given us others who have been mothers to us too and you have given us Jesus you've given us your very self through the life of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit which is here among us even now so, Lord, just help us to be grateful and then turn that gratitude into action. And help us to be the kind of people who take the love we've received and who go and do likewise. Help us to be mothers, too, for the people in our lives and to just to show them who you are and to pass along the, the great love of our God. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.